0: Welcome to Navigating Change, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Howard Tybel Howard, good morning. Good morning, Pete. Uh, so you just uh, you just wrote an article for HR Horizons uh, at nakubo.org uh, entitled, Helping Employees Embrace Change. Uh, article went live, it looks like, just last week. And uh, so we thought we'd, we'd come together here on the podcast and talk a little bit about the article. I have you summarize it. I have a couple of questions, things that jump out at me, and I and, uh, uh, thought we might just share some ideas on embracing change. That sounds great to me. Excellent. So tell, me, tell us a little bit about what, uh, what the concept is for this piece and, and uh, why you felt like this message was an important one uh, to get out there. Well, I've been uh, leading these workshops probably for the
1: last three, four years, maybe, you no, know, maybe three years, focused on helping individuals navigate change. And I think historically the, the conversation around change and in the individual has focused on, uh, people having difficulty with change and this concept of resistance to change. And, and, you know, in the context of change management, it's often focused on it institutionally. When in fact, what I'm discovering and having, you know, put probably over 300 people, different institutions through this is that there's so much more going on at the individual level that I think has an even greater impact on, uh, how organizations get through change. So I think, uh, change management as a you know as a methodology is great but my impression is a lot more is left out when you don't tackle it at the personal
0: or individual level. All right, Howard, in the piece you you lay out three common reactions to change and my first reaction was well, surely these aren't all the reactions to change these are just you know three that stick out to you, but the more i I sort of think about it, the more I think well maybe maybe this is it, maybe it is very uh, its most sort of base level. This is how these three really encapsulate how people react to change. Can you walk through uh these reactions to change and and why these stick out to you as important to uh, think about it uh, when dealing with change at the individual level?
1: yeah, so you know what I wanted to have come across here is that. Uh, not only are there are different reactions to change, but there's also different reactions in different contexts, and there's different reactions based on experience. Uh, so, for example, th- this idea of one reaction being, you know, what we described as cool ambivalence, and this is really like a person who has been through it before. Uh, they don't overreact. And they just are able to sort of deal with it and and help others around that are not used to change. You know, another great example of cool on buildings is I once asked someone in a workshop, so how many of you uh, have been fired in your career? Because that's ultimately everyone's worst nightmare, it seems, is you no know, one wants to talk about it. And, you know, and I said, so how was that? And the guy raises his hand. He said, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. I said, really? And this was a room full of people that were terrified of being fired. So I said, tell us more about that. He said, well, once I was fired, uh, you know, I had to figure out what I was going to do. And I put things together and I found myself the next opportunity. And I realized that I could figure out how to make it work. And if you've never been fired, you don't have that experience. And it's natural that you have this anxiety, you know, the same way if you've seen change happen over and over again. Are restructuring every department, new technology being brought in. In some ways, it's different, but in some ways, it's more of the same. So that's one kind of reaction. Another reaction I talk about is, and this is on a spectrum because, you know, we 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 turn we coined it uh, irrational anxiety. And this is somebody that takes something and just runs with it, and and they use it to validate their own anxiety, and they make other people scared. But there's a whole spectrum in that realm of somebody overreacting in that way. And then there's people that attempt to take the change and do something positive with it. Uh ultimately, it's not that these are the only three, but these are if you look at people, you you can you could probably put each person in one
0: of those buckets but within a spectrum of reactions the you know one of the things that that sticks out to me and even when you look at the person who you know this this sort of positive purpose the person who is has a great attitude and is very accepting of change and yet still runs you know sort of headlong into the uncertainty that's that surrounds the organization that word keeps coming back it's this word the the this uncertainty it's it's how one deals with that se- that space between things they know about and and things they they grasp uh it, have, have you ever been fired uh I was put on probation but not not outright fired from doing a job so the answer is no well I and you ask why do you ask well I ask I you know I've been close I've been very yeah. close but one of the things that I that that hit me as you're walking through um, you know these these reactions to change and that uncertainty uh is that It seems like, at least in my personal experience, the reason I was so close to actually being outright fired is because I no longer sort of shared the willingness to accept that uncertainty. And, and I was, and, and that meant I was no longer a good fit. The only reason I went to work is because I had a job and it didn't matter what I was doing. It just mattered that I had a job that I needed to protect jealously. And I wonder if that, (laughs) if that's where that sense of uncertainty comes from when you lose the sense of what you're doing and only keep, uh, and, and only have the sense of, of that you are doing it. It's a really interesting point, Pete, because I would say that
1: There's enough people out there that haven't practiced sufficiently uh, sort of the art of saying, what would it mean for me to really be satisfied, truly be satisfied in my work? Even to the point of saying, and and I know in some cases, this is even crazy thinking, that I would do this even if I wasn't being paid, right? So, you know, not everybody has that luxury of, of having that, but there is a point at which where to the extent that you're going through the motions. And I think a lot of people uh, inadvertently find themselves and, you know, I'll call that complacency is they, they're going through the motions and yes, we all need to collect a paycheck and all that. But, but ultimately there's an element of taking risks associated with being able to embrace change that is so central that, that you're not looking at how to protect something as you're talking about, but you're looking at and being willing to engage in some of that uncertainty. I mean, I love what you said, because in some ways what you're saying is, it's like when you resign yourself, there's a certain kind of resignation, I think, that I've discovered in these workshops that people need to recognize in themselves if that's present, and then be able to say, you know what? is that the place i want to live from and what's interesting about this too is the reason the other reason why i've discovered the personal uh the, the looking at it from a personal basis is important is is because when you do this but you do this with others you realize how not alone you are now, i can't tell the number of times after all these workshops, people walked away and said, you know, one of the best things was this, sitting around a table of people who shared the same kinds of concerns. And I actually thought I was alone in that thinking. But when you when you get other people talking about this and, you know, the other core concept in this in terms of moving towards positive direction is how do you take things that look like uh, things that could hurt you or things that Uh, you should be afraid of, like the economy getting worse or, or your job being at risk or having to do something different that maybe you're not familiar with. How can you take that and look at it as an opportunity versus looking at it as something to avoid? And that's something that when people reflect on that and they put some of the things they could do and reframe it as opportunities, my experience is there's
0: power in that. Oh, I think that's I think that's a, a terrific observation. It leads me to my next question, which I, and I, I don't know how much uh, you're going to need to give me some some background on the the general sort of philosophy of of this section of the article. But uh, you know, later on, you walk through the four rooms. Yeah, and rather than sort of recreate the whole piece, I I would very much like to to hear some of your thoughts on this idea of confusion, the confusion room, and confusion being uh, an indicator that learning is either right. taking place or about to take place. Uh, and uh, because I I think confusion generally has a a really negative connotation, uh, and and it's it comes from a place of fear. And what you're saying, it sounds to me, is is that it really can come from a place of wisdom. Yeah, that's that's great. There's a lot in this Pete.
1: This four room model developed by Klaus Janssen the uh, Swedish psychologist uh basically starts in this idea that you know we're all sitting in contentment. Now when we're sitting in contentment, you know we we we're we're comfortable, we know what we're is expected of us. And then something changes and you move into denial, which is the second room and then Denial leads to confusion, which is the third room, and confusion leads to renewal. And one of the things that's interesting in listening to people talk about being able to get out of or, or get to a better place is, in very many ways, I think people want to go from discovering something's change to either turning their back on it and say, all right, you know what, I'm not going to look at this, maybe it'll go away, right? That's denial. Or let me just get through this and why do I have to go through this period of uncertainty? And and I think that's part of the the reality of going through a change, whether it's a change in that your kids are going to college, a change of moving, a change of uh, taking on a new job, is that when we get out, when we finally say, you know what, I'm going to stop pretending like this isn't happening and start looking at it. Confusion would be that room where what you're, you're now saying to yourself is, all right, I'm going to start looking at it. And the, it, it, we should all recognize that the most natural reaction or, or, or not even reaction, the most natural thing that should come Up next, when you go from not looking at something to looking at something, is confusion, which is, how do I engage in this? Denial is, I don't want to even look at it. So finally, when you turn your attention to, all right, I'm going to learn how to use this tool. I'm going to stop complaining about the fact that the organization has changed everything on me. I come to work, I I hate this new system. I'm going to start looking at it. And when I start looking at it, you should naturally be saying to yourself, this is confusing. But that's a that's an indication that you're engaging in trying to learn. You know, and I, I remember a long time ago, I was teaching some technology class, and I was getting through something, and, and somebody raised their hand, and they said, I have to say something. I am really confused. And I looked at them in the group, and I said, that's fantastic. And this person looked at me like I was crazy. And then I explained, really, it is so natural that your reaction to trying to learn something new is confusion. And the fact that you're saying you're confused is an indication that you're trying
0: to engage in the material, whatever it is. That, and, and this is the part that struck me, that just the fact that you're admitting you're confused does not necessarily mean you you have to be happy about it. <laughs>
1: Right. right. right, right. You, know, you don't have to be happy. You, about, you may not be yeah, happy you know, about it's it, interesting but because when someone says I'm confused, you know, it is it is often said in a way to try and put the responsibility on the other person. Like you confused me. Right. As opposed to as opposed to recognizing that there it is it is natural when learning something new you have that reaction and having that reaction in some cases, probably in many cases, is uncomfortable. I mean, nobody likes feeling confused. Uh, It is not a comfortable place to be. But the only way to get from something that you used to do, and now you're doing it differently, the only way to get to a place where you're comfortable is through confusion. You know, I've done a lot of work over the years on... Uh, ERP systems, which are these technology implementations where they bring in a new financial system or an HR system, and I, I finally, after years of doing this, what I would say to the p- leaders who are thinking about implementing something, and then they're 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 trying to do everything they can to make it easy for people, I will out of the gate say, all right, here's the reality: first year, people are going to hate it; second year, they're going to tolerate it. Third year, they're going to say, you know what, this is not so bad, because they're going to stop forgetting by the third year what the, the old system was like. But for two years, they are not going to be, for the most part, happy, because they're going through that con- confusion. It's not It's not what they want to hear, but that is the right expectation to set, not how fantastic and wonderful this new software program is, and you're all going to love it. That's not true. They're not going to all love it. But at the same time, they're doing it because it's going to help the institution. And those who are able to go with it and get through confusion will make it. Some people can't deal with it, and they say, you know what, I didn't sign up for this.
0: That yeah, I, I love that point, that really that confusion can just be a, a state of time between two points of understanding. I did understand the old thing and by saying i'm confused i'm acknowledging that one day i'll understand this new thing that's right that's right the the uh the, the last point that just sort of jumps out at me is you know i know we we talk about sort of the individual's responsibility to adapt to change and to accept change and and the the processes that they go through but you in your experience when you're when you're working with with uh you know folks whose responsibility it is to actually get their teams to attend one of these workshops uh how do you help inspire the willingness to actually attend when they're coming from a state, potentially, of of this fear and confusion? How do you get groups excited to even talk about it?
1: Well, you know what? There, I've come to end up looking at people sort of at, in, in some ways in certain buckets. And when you get a room full of people, whether it's 50 people or 20 people, uh There is going to be a group. There's there's going to be almost like one of three groups. One group has been dying to hear this message and to have other people in the room hear the message that the idea that change isn't bad and that learning how to embrace change can help you be more effective in your personal and your work life. So there's people that are like waiting to hear that that are, already you know what just just coined. get on this
0: train with me and things will be better right
1: yeah. well i'm i've been i've been doing this and and i need more people around me like this then there's the middle group which is you know what convince me you know i don't i don't like it but if you make a good argument if if you if you if you help me understand it i'm going to i'm going to suspend some disbelief but i'm not convinced out of the gate that This is a good thing to embrace. And then their third group is people that no matter what you do, they will not embrace what you're trying to have them do. They've got their own agenda. There's a whole different range in this. And and the reason actually this is an important point, Pete, is that I make this same point with managers of people in that one of the things we have to do more of is encourage the middle group to come along with us because the group that's already with us, they're out ahead. They're already figuring out how they can make the change more effective. Almost like you don't have to even manage them. The middle group, we need to pull them along. We need to make available to people who are quote-unquote resistance to change the opportunity. But if they're not willing to go with us, or with you as a manager, in some cases, you have to stop giving them attention. You know, I can't, the more I'm in business, the more I realize it's the vocal minority that often hijack change. And they, and they hijack it because they're so emotionally invested in why it's a bad idea. And that's different, by the way, from expressing why it's a bad idea and really believing fundamentally it's a bad idea, but proposing solutions or a different direction. It's the people that don't want to even engage in an alternative, but just want to point out how what's happening is not good for them personally. And in some ways, the reality is those people, there are people that that hold that point of view. You've got to make it available to them. But you also have to be willing to uh let them go and choose for themselves what they're gonna do. And I can tell you, when I've made that comment, I get a lot of head nods in a room because, you know, we don't want to count out of people who, who end up either intentionally or unintentionally hijacking, making progress when I'd say two thirds of the people or even more
0: wanna see change happen. Head nods from everybody except the last two or three rows who are back there texting and Grumbling. I feel like well, in in many <laughs> respects, we may have buried the lead with that last point. I think that's a yeah, that's really right, big one. That's right. uh, that's right. And, uh, and so, you know, rather, I, we, we should devote some more, more time to that, that very discussion. I think it's, a, it's an important one, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I also don't want to give too much away from the article. Uh, the article is um, uh, at Uh it's a, it's a great read, uh, Helping Employees Embrace Change. Howard, thank you so much for your time today. You're welcome, Pete. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this very special episode of Navigating Change from TybeLink, make sure you uh, head over to tybalink.com, check out the blog and follow us uh, uh, and, and subscribe to this very podcast in iTunes. Thanks so much. We'll catch you next time.